Hello, I'm Ashley. And I'm Gary. And welcome to episode 12 of Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast. And this is a little Christmas bonus episode for you all. It's just Gary and I here today. So, yes, as you know, we're on our feel-good theme and we are loving it. But we thought, just in time for Christmas, let's dive into another film. But first, Gary, what have you been up to? Um, not much. We are in another lockdown. Um, so yeah, I've decided that I'm going to try and have three feature-length scripts written by the end of the year. So I've gave myself a wee challenge on that. What about you? Amazing! How many have you done so far? One and a half. <laughs> You're halfway so, there. Half halfway there. Halfway, halfway there. there. Love it. Um. So yeah. Edinburgh is not as locked down as Glasgow, but we're still restricted at the time of recording this. Um, yeah, rub I... it in, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still kind of free. <laughs> no, um, but just going with the times, I've been doing a lot of life coaching. I have been watching a lot of great TV and films. Yeah, what have, what have you been watching TV-wise? TV-wise, so something I watched... Well, it was when it came out, so by the time this podcast comes out, it's probably quite old, um, was Des, the three-part miniseries with Daniel Mays, uh, David Tennant and Jason Watkins. Oh my God, what a series that was. There was times when I was watching it and I was just thinking, I can't actually believe that I'm watching these three actors on screen together. I was just in awe of their performance. They were amazing. Yeah, as soon as, as, soon as David Tennant came on screen, he, he stole the show. It was so captivating watching it. It was strange. Yeah. Oh, just chilling. And I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't stop watching it. And that's a, a mini series that I would watch over and over again because I think I'd pick up new things every time. So, yeah, I loved that. I've been watching Emily in Paris, which is just a little bit of fun. It's so cliche, um, so over the top. The storylines are, they're quite predictable, I would say. But I can't, I also couldn't stop watching that. I finished it so quickly. Um, and it was just light-hearted and fun. And you know those nights where you don't really want to have to concentrate too much on a storyline or get too invested in something. It was perfect for that. Um, the fashion in it as well was amazing. It gave me lots of inspiration. <laughs> but yeah, I loved that. I, another series which I finally finished. I've got loads. Another series which I finally finished was The Handmaid's Tale. I've not actually started that yet. Oh my yet. god. I've heard really, really good things, but I've just, I think I need to, it's been on that long now that I need to sit down and invest a bit of time yeah. in it to, to get into it, yeah. Definitely. Well, there's three seasons and I believe season four is coming out next year, but the budget on that must have been crazy. It's amazing. You get so drawn in by the characters and the lead actor is, I've forgotten her name now, but she's just incredible. She's in... Mad um, Men. Mad Men, yeah. yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Like It literally leaves me speechless. I was so hooked and it was one of those that I couldn't stop watching. Like No matter how tired I was, I had to watch another episode until I literally fell asleep. Um, so yeah. And my final thing that I've been watching, I feel like I've been talking for ages, is um, <laughs> Official Secrets was a film. When was it released? I can't remember when it was released, but it was, it must have been a couple of years ago. Keira Knightley and Matt Smith. 
um, based on a sort of leak around government documents uh, and the Iraq war when Tony Blair was in power and it's very, very good. I didn't really hear much about the film when it was released, but I don't know why it never blew up. Or maybe it did and I just was like oblivious to it, but it was amazing. No, I've not even heard of it actually. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so Keira I don't Knightley's... Like, I don't like admitting things like that when we're on a film review podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, that's literally been me every single episode <laughs> up until now. Oh, actually no, because this episode is coming after some of our um, feel-good films, which I did, I had seen them all. But um, what about you, Gary? What have you been watching? Well, you seem to have been watching a lot more sophisticated television, shall we say, than me. Um, I've actually been binging a lot of old movies, especially. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of did my Halloween scary movie binge after Halloween. <laughs> so um, I decided to put myself through all the paranormal activity films and they are what they are. You know, you sit watching basically homemade video footage of nothing happening until there's a loud jump scare bang and they kind of just get worse as the franchise goes on. Um, So I put myself through that and then I decided to put myself through the wrong turn horror box set. I've had it sitting in my DVD shelf for about three years so I decided I need to get through it and it's time I'll never get back again and <laughs> oh, no. um, but also I also know that I'll probably at one point in my life will watch them all again because it's just what I do so yeah I've been watching a lot of old horrors and although I did watch one called Session 9 with Peter Mullen and that was very good and lastly as a lot of people are, I've been watching The Mandalorian on Disney, but it's getting released once a week. So to get my Star Wars fix, I have went back and started watching the Star Wars films from episode one. I'm going to have a confession here. Oh, you've I've never seen any seen Star Wars, have you? A single Star Wars film. No Mandalorian. I think I'm just, yep asking in my shame right now i'm gonna start watching them i'm sorry <laughs> no mandalorian is very good the best way i can explain it without giving away too much is it's kind of like a western in space you know you can see what what's influenced it but yeah it's very good and there's cute baby yoda in it you yes. must have seen pictures of oh, it's so cute i have i have Yes, oh my gosh. Um, But yeah, I have been loving watching some feel-good films. But Gary and I thought that for this podcast, we'd jump into a Christmas film. So we watched The Christmas Chronicles. And by now as well, The Christmas Chronicles 2 will have come out. Came out on the 25th of November. Gary, what's your rating out of 10 for The Christmas Chronicles? I mean, Christmas films are also supposed to be cheesy and just feel good. But overall, as a standard film, I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Do you know what? That's my rating too. And I, I feel like I am a Christmas elf. Like, I adore Christmas. (laughs) My birthday's in December. Christmas is my favourite time of year. um, And the whole of December is just like the love of my life. So yeah, I gave it a 7.5. It was... It was different. We'll get into it, but 
yeah, there was a lot of surprises in this one. Yeah. But I did love it. I think that's the first time as well that me and you have had the same rating for something. Yeah, I think so. Crazy. I'm spreading the Christmas joy. Crazy. <laughs> I know, I know. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Stop. Kids aren't stupid. They know how it works. Sorry, Santa. Hot Cupid! Hot Comet! Hey, check it out! Give me the camera! It's Santa Claus! Live and in person. One night only. You don't look like Santa Claus. Well, billboards add 80 pounds. Christmas is in trouble. Imagine if we all work together. I have seen a lot of strange things, but this... Wait till you see what happens next. So, let's jump into it, Gary. What did you like about the film? What was your first, first thing you wanted to talk about? I'm going to go with Kurt Russell as Santa. Like, yes. Uh, Kurt Russell is just having fun in this film. Like you can just tell that he's went, Yep, sure, I'll play Santa and I'm just gonna go with it. I think it was genius casting and ten seconds of him being on screen, I was thinking he was born to play this role. Obviously he wasn't born to it because you need to be a certain age to play Santa, but you know what I mean. There's a scene in the prison where they oh, it almost turns into a musical, but when he put on those sunglasses and he had that big white beard it just looked so cool so so cool yeah do you know it took me a while to warm to him as santa claus because i'm yeah i'm used to the traditional santa claus my ultimate santa claus is the one on um in miracle on 34th street you know with um the wee girl who plays matilda who's also in mrs doubtfire um yeah, he's my ultimate Santa. So getting used to Kurt Russell, I have to say, it was a challenge for me because I was like, this guy is not the conventional Santa, but I ended up loving him. I loved him. Yeah, he is cool Santa. That's the only way mm-hmm. I can say. He oozed cool the whole way through it. But don't you think the film actually had that miracle on 34th Street vibe? Like, there's obviously there's a lot of that set in court with him trying to prove that he is Santa Claus, but you had Kurt Russell almost trying to prove to the police that he is Santa Claus and they're not believing him, then by the end, you know, well, I don't give too much away in case people haven't seen this one, but usually we do have spoilers, so it's it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And even when he's proven to the people that he meets, you know, he pulls out all these presents that they had asked for when they were six, seven, eight, nine, whatever. Um, that made me feel just... old because those toys that he pulled out I used to play with as a kid so when I looked at the policeman uh, Dave wasn't it and then I was like yeah. am I actually ages with Dave am I really getting that old <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah he just he was sophisticated he was cool he was like the Santa y'all wanted to be friends with you know and I had complete faith in him he was gonna succeed in his mission from the start. I mean, I was a bit like, mm, what is going on with this Santa? It's not your usual stuff. But he was he was going for it. He knew what he wanted and yeah. he was going to get it. The, Love other, it. the other thing, just quickly on that, saying that 
he couldn't take to him as Santa at first. I remember seeing the trailer and he's in the, the red car oh, in the yeah. film. And when I seen the trailer, I was like, have they actually switched from a sleigh to this like sports car for Santa as a modern day Santa? But obviously when you watch the film, it's, it's not. Yeah. Oh my God. Thank God they kept the sleigh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my first point is... Uh, the brother and sister relationship of Teddy and Kay. I loved it. Set up straight from the start where they're just at each other all the time. It's those little little fights and they're just about to tell each other, tell on each other all the time and then they cover it up because really they love each other so much and it's so evident throughout the whole film. Um, and Kate doesn't tell her mum about Teddy stealing the car when it looks like she's going to tell on him. Um, and she really could. It could be that sort of like getting one up on your sibling, but it's not that. And I really love that. And obviously when Kate goes inside the Santa sack and then the guys who kind of kidnapped Teddy are going to throw him, uh, throw the sack in the fire. And he's like, no, my sister's in there. <laughs> you know, um, he does really care about her. Obviously, I'm sure it's very obvious that he wouldn't have wanted her to be thrown in the fire through the Santa sack but I just feel like their relationship was so strong throughout it and even at the end when they they hugged it out and then they called each other kitty cat and teddy bear again I was like oh that's melted my heart that is what I needed for my Christmas spirit Um, just for context it is the 22nd of November and my Christmas spirit is in full swing now so thank you to this film (laughs) See when the Santa sack is placed in the the fire, mm-hmm. and it doesn't go on fire. I'm going to take that as just Christmas being magical, and so Santa's sack is magical. But I wanted someone to like react to that. They all seemed yeah. to go, that, okay, that's normal that I just chucked this bag in this fire pit and nothing's happening. Santa's hat is magical in the film. His Christmas bobble is magical. Why? Sh- well, Santa's obviously magical, but you get what I mean. Why is he sat? Yeah. Not, like, why did nobody um, respond to it? Basically, but I know. And yeah. for like the Santa sack to be able to resist fire and stuff. I mean, you know, it could have just been the material, but that was a big fire. So, yeah. What's your second second sort of love about the film? Yeah. So just I'll go on to the theme of family. So it goes on nicely from your point, Ashley. Um, so obviously the family have become quite distant since the dad has passed away. So I guess the big question is, in the film, what is going to bring them together? And in a way, it is a father figure in the shape of Santa. But there's more than just that. You have got the theme of family kind of going throughout the film. So you've also got Dave, the cop, who I also loved as well. Yeah. And he just wants to make amends with his ex-wife, Lisa. So you've got that almost sub-storyline going on as well. I also loved how once he got the magic Santa hat in the cell, so obviously he was waiting for the the hat to get him out, but I kind of loved how he waited for Dave to believe in him. So basically Dave had to turn that key and open the gate, but then he he could get out anyway. I kind of loved that. And it was a way of making sure Dave believed in him again. And Santa being this like father figure, he kind of teaches Ted life lessons along the way. So he... He basically says to Ted, you're going to end up like the convicted barman. 
unless you yeah. like back up your ideas. So it's just these wee small subtle hints of like Santa Claus being this father figure to the kids throughout the film, and yeah, that I just loved that. Yeah, it's so true as well, and especially like when they're flying the sleigh and everything, and he's teaching uh, Ted to fly the sleigh, and he's like taking the reins and he's loving it at the end anyway. Um, but yeah, he's putting that trust in him and he's letting the kids learn from themselves. You know, when um, Katie goes off to find the reindeers and stuff, he lets them explore. Um, and obviously he knows everything will be fine because he's Santa and he's magic. But yeah, he's giving them that freedom, but he's also teaching them the lessons, which is lovely. Yeah, I guess there's that scene at the end when they are um, riding the sleigh along the train track and Mm -hmm. the train's coming towards them and he basically says to Ted like you need to start believing in yourself like your sister believes in you like your mum believed in you and like Mm -hmm. your dad believed in you I guess and it's like just wee subtle parts of the film like that where it's he's teaching them as well as having fun yeah and then the the Christmas bauble that he gives him at the end and he's like, oh, it's just an old Christmas bauble. And then he sees the face of his dad. Oh, my God. I was, like, holding back the tears. I thought it was so nice. Yeah, I didn't, I know, I didn't really, I don't know if I, I liked that. Because he's already got the home videos of his dad. So yeah, true. Does, does he does he need to see him in a bauble? Like, he's, he can just look back. If it, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being... Maybe I'm spoiling the magic of Christmas by saying that, but um. I just thought it was so it was so nice, like how he kind of morph. He was looking in, and then he kind of like morphs into his dad's face, and it was just it, maybe it was the actor's reaction, just the like build up of tears yeah. in his eyes, and I think I was just emotional because I was like, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, they were also it was great casting between the father and son. They looked yeah. very similar, so I noticed that as the the morphing transition happened on the Christmas bubble. I was like, oh, they actually look really similar. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And that kind of goes into my next point, um, which is about the casting of Darby Camp, the young actor who plays Katie. She is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I don't know what age she was when this was filmed, but her reactions are so beautiful and natural and... She's got such an emotional range for such a young um, actor. You know, obviously, we all have that emotional range, but to be able to tap into it um, for filming on screen was amazing. And even the way she worked with the the reindeer effects and stuff, it was seamless. It was amazing. Um, and she was, like, so subtle, but, like, vibrant at the same time. I don't know. I was just completely drawn in by her. And from the start, I was just like, you're going to be a star, you're going to be a star. But obviously she's already done quite a bit of work. I think, what else was she in? She was in something else really big. I did look on IMDb. Um, but I just thought her performance throughout was amazing. She carried it and I can't believe like how young she looks. So yeah, I thought that was lovely to see such a young actress carrying a film like that. Yeah, I think with child actors as well, it's, it can be almost a hit or a miss, can't it? Like sometimes you see a kid on screen and you're like, oh, they're not very good. Or the child actor just uses the wonder of imagination and just goes for it, you know? Like, kids mm-hmm. make stuff up in their head all the time when they're playing with toys or, or whatever. And you take a child to the park, he or she'll go on their own wee adventure and it suddenly doesn't become a 
park, it becomes an enchanted forest or something in their mind. So, like, they can obviously use that a lot to help with performances. She's just amazing. And, oh, her her face was just so bright. Honestly, I just felt so drawn to her whenever she was acting. And, as I said, to be able to carry so many scenes on her own or with the reindeer special effects and stuff, that's such a talent and, yeah. I feel proud of her, and I don't know her, but she was amazing, yeah. So that was my... She also held her own in relation to um, the actor that played the brother. Like, the two Mm -hmm. of them bounced off each other really well. You know, it wasn't like one of them was leaning more on the other. The two of them were a good balance. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. So, my third point is actually on Christmas Chronicles as a title and the camera. So I was about halfway through the film when I realised I didn't really understand what the title meant in relation to the film. Yeah. But then I decided to look up in the dictionary chronicles so that I could see what exactly it means. And basically it's a factual written account of important or historical events in the orders of their occurrence. Then that got me thinking about the video camera and how that was... A, a recording of their memories as a family with the, the dad before he passed away. So that was like their Bible, their document of what it was like to be a family. But then the daughter then uses that as almost to create a documentary of a night with Santa. So it's just a lovely way to, well, it's a lovely use of the camera to tell this story. But I also liked how they used it to catch Santa in in the frame of their, their shot. I think yeah. it was just his arm that came into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was almost the exciting incident that drives the rest of the story forward. But yeah, so I just like the, the idea of how the camera is the chronicles of, well, their, their family and then of a night with Santa. Mm-hmm. And I just liked how that all ties in. Yeah, and I feel like the camera, it was used a lot at the start and then obviously Katie's um, carrying it around with her all the time she's filming different things but they don't make too much of a big deal of it it is quite subtle but there's a nice balance so it does come into play um but i think they they did balance that out really well using more of the actual footage at the start and then going on to filming it um and that actually ties in quite can i just say something really quickly i'm so glad it wasn't all found footage after putting myself through the paranormal activity films i don't know how much more of it i could have taken so i'm glad they didn't lean heavy on it yeah oh absolutely you need you need that balance um and you need to feel like you're in it with them as well yeah and I, i feel like that kind of distances distances you from uh from the action when you're watching it through what is like a video yeah yeah um, but definitely. And then my next point was actually, it does kind of tie in later, so you'll see, um, the Santa sack sequence when Katie first goes into the Santa sack and all these presents, it's like a tunnel of presents. I thought that was amazing. I loved that. And then she crawls further through and then it's into this like zero gravity sort of expanse of just presents flying about everywhere which I loved I thought the special effects of that were amazing and then it goes into this kind of Christmas tree structure of presents which I just found like it was vast it was amazing I I really loved that and you know it created the magic of Christmas 
in a very like surreal way which I know it obviously is but it wasn't too much for it which I loved especially from her starting from the very real presence that you could obviously see were stuck into the set or I don't know how they did it but the tunnel of presence looked very real and then into the zero gravity and the Christmas tree of presence flying about I loved that and then she goes through into the North Pole and then you've got the videos from all the kids to Santa which I loved um, because obviously she had recorded that video and then her brother came in and said don't you know Santa doesn't only uh, he doesn't answer videos he only answers letters and stuff like that and obviously he had written a letter Um, but I thought that was a really really nice touch a nice hint of the time now and that you know there probably are kids making videos to Santa and I know I'm sure you can ask your um, smart speaker I'm not going to say its name because I've got one in the room um, (laughs) (laughs) um, about Santa and they'll respond to you you can you know video chat with Santa and stuff now so I thought that was a really good way of bringing in the times and technology without focusing on it too much I think they could have gone really far into you know selfies and kids having phones and using their phones to talk to Santa but it was just that that sort of um, wall of videos I really really like that I thought that was nice yeah it's just I'm just glad that Santa is also on zoom as well to have that wall of videos you know and that, it was, it was <laughs> it quite funny because be. <laughs> that's all it made me think of I was like oh no another zoom wall another zoom meeting <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it definitely just it brought that connection to the now because I feel like a lot of my favorite Christmas films especially are older films yeah and there's a lot of outdated um parts to them sort of technology wise which I forgive because I love Christmas and totally oh, fine. Yeah, half of half of Christmas is being nostalgic. You know, as you as you get older, you think to your childhood and stuff. And part of thinking to your childhood is these old films like Home Alone or Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and things like that. But what's great about Christmas Chronicles is like in ten years, I feel that like that will be part of that category of films that you watch at Christmas, I feel like it deserves its place in there. Whereas a lot of modern Christmas films are just about pants. (laughs) Yeah, it's a definite hit or miss now. Like, I've got my favourites that I watch religiously. Like, 1st of December is Elf Day for me, and I have to watch Elf on the 1st of December. And I'm not sure how long that'll carry on for, but I know it will be a long time. Um, And I've got my favourites, I like Christmas with the Cranks, I like The Santa Claus, um, and I always watch them every year, but I definitely think this is one that could come into that as well. I love Christmas with the Cranks when he gets the Botox, Oh my god! and he's trying to eat in the restaurant, it's just, yeah. It's It's honestly, oh yeah, if next year we do a Christmas theme, please, possible guest host, choose that film. Yeah, so you gave it a 7.5. Is there anything that you didn't like about the film? Um, see the gangsters that stole the Santa sack? Mm-hmm. I thought it would have been quite cool if it was maybe the kind of group of boys that Teddy was hanging about with at the start, jacking cars. And yeah. it would almost be like a life lesson for him that he's hanging mm-hmm. about with the wrong crowd. Maybe as well, because they were quite a fair bit older than him maybe that was an image of him you know 
this is what your life could be if you keep going with these guys stealing cars from the valley and stuff like that. So True. maybe that's that's what they were getting True. at. And I'm just going to touch on your third point about the North Pole there. When she climbed through the Santa sack, I was like, is this what the inside of Mary Poppins' bag would look like? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but when she arrived, when the, the kid arrived in the North Pole, it had a very Harry Potter look to it. I it thought, did, yeah. yeah. It reminded me of like either like Dumbledore's office or the Ministry of Magic or something yeah, like that. Uh-huh. And I thought the elves looked a mix between like garden gnomes and Dobby. I honestly, the elves are what took the 2.5 off it for me. Did you not like them? No. It was a step too far for me, I'm sorry. Like They were just weird. I don't know, they, they just looked like little gremlins and I don't know. They they just annoyed me, so it kind of took me out of it a little bit. They did remind me of the gremlins, like the Mogwai and the film gremlins. They did mm-hmm. remind me a wee bit of that, but... I thought it was interesting that they didn't try and make them look real. They almost deliberately looked cartoony in this live-action film. Yeah. And I, I, I think, did think that was a strange choice. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I didn't like, because I did like that they had their own elf language. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, and that Santa just jumped into it at the end as well. But, yeah, I think it was the sort of cartoon feel of them yeah. that I didn't really like and then they had all their like wee power tools and stuff and then one of them was gonna like chainsaw teddy remember when he um came out of the the sack yeah 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 the sister's like stop he's one of us (laughs) um yeah i thought that was a bit weird and kind of took me out of it so that was my main i do not like i do not like the elves in the santa claus with tim allen oh no they're my favorite elves oh no I love that. <laughs> Just the magic tinsel to break open this at the bars in the jail cell or something. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, oh, and the flat. No. Oh no, that's. Oh, I yep. have to disagree there. I love them. Ber- Bernard. It's just kids, though. It's just kids. <laughs> anyway. I love it. I love it. Um, one of my points was. At the start of the film, this is when I was like, okay, this is a different Christmas film. <laughs> when Kate, uh, Katie falls out the sleigh, like, I feel like that was quite hard hitting. She just yeah. literally tumbled out the sleigh. It was so dramatic. Like, that whole scene altogether, the reindeers detaching, they have the near miss with the plane, then they crash the sleigh at the end. Um, and then Santa mentions like the Dark Ages and the war and stuff, and being like, "Why do you think there was a there was a war in the Dark Ages? It's obviously because I didn't fulfil like giving everyone their presents." And I just thought, "God, this is a bit deep." But um, after that, I got into the swing of it and the style of it. But I just thought that was quite it was quite dramatic and not what I was expecting. I didn't feel set up for that or ready for it. Yeah, I, I did. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was. I wasn't quite sure where they were going to go with that either, but I did. I did appreciate it, and I was like, I guess it's saying that like if you don't get joy at Christmas, you turn a bit miserable. I guess. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, weird. I, yeah, I just thought the emphasis of like the dark ages and like this is they were my fault. You know, I didn't deliver the presents and stuff. I did That's love actually weird. when 
he told Teddy that you can't go about stealing cars, even if it is to help people. And he's like, well, you break into people's houses, like, on the 25th of December, like, every year. And he's like, good point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. One of, uh, one of my other points that I didn't like that I know you mentioned at the start was the the kind of music video song in the jail. I don't know. I thought it was a, a little bit too far. But I, as you said, like Kurt Russell was enjoying that and you could tell it was a it was a good production, but I just thought it was like a little bit too much. I think they could have maybe toned that down and I would have been more invested in it. Yeah. But, yeah. What I wanted there was actually for them to be like having this good time with all the strobe lights and they're all dancing, but then it cuts to like the police officer's point of view and there is no strobe lights, it's all in their head. I thought that's what yeah. they were going to go with. Um, yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. No, absolutely. But then I suppose like they're they've got the guitars because Santa has that ability. He can give them it. Um so yeah, I do get all that, but it was just like the the backing singers were changed into the sort of Mrs. Claus dresses and stuff. I just thought it was a it was a bit much for Santa to do. I think it was a bit much work for him. And he didn't need to put himself through all that work. <laughs> yeah. The last thing, and this is kind of Christmas films in general. And I know people are probably thinking, oh, it's just Christmas films, it's magical and just go with the flow. But one thing that annoys me is a lot of Christmas films, it's about adults not believing in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the parents must be putting down the Christmas gifts. But then by the end of the film, they believe in Santa Claus. But then have they not wondered where all these gifts are coming from then if it's Santa it's been delivering them every year there's always this murky middle part it's like the who put the gifts under the Christmas tree was it the parents or if the parents haven't been putting them there why have they not wondered where all these gifts have been coming from every year mm-hmm. and why are the parents not getting gifts from Santa exactly I was just I was just a little horror when I was younger and I remember saying to my mum I only remember this because of home videos which is um, part of the reason why I did love this film as well because it kind of brought me back but I remember saying to my mum like Santa's got the same handwriting as you or like Santa works in your work because like you've got these pens in your work and stuff and I was, <laughs> I was just a nightmare of a, <laughs> of a child trying to work everything yeah. out but overall great film and I can't wait to watch the sequel This has been our little bonus episode on the Christmas Chronicles, but right now we're going to take a deep dive into our listeners reel. So uh, you guys have been hitting us up with comments, reviews, and we're going to just read a few of them out because honestly, we've been overwhelmed with the support that we've had for this podcast, haven't we, Gary? It's been amazing. Yeah, we've had a lot of people responding to our comments and um, leaving feedback about the podcast and just their comments on the film in general. So rather than read out the comments and the reviews at the end of each episode, I think we're going to kind of tie them all together and do it on the bonus episodes, if you are all right with that. <laughs> if not, <laughs> drop us an email. <laughs> Or turn off now, because we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) True. (laughs) So here we go. First review, um, which is a review that was written last week, um, and it's lovely, from Dilly Dalimore, five star. This is a nice cosy wee listen. The hosts know their stuff, and it's nice just to look back at films rather than always looking at new ones. Heartily recommended. Thank you so much for that. That was lovely. 
Futurist Online gave us five stars, a fun way to waste time and listen to an uplifting podcast, passionately talking about their love of film. Nice. K-Dog100 said uh, five stars as well. This is one of the first podcasts I've taken my time to follow and make sure I'm free to listen to the next episode. I love that. That's just amazing that people wait for the next episode of our podcast. Yeah, these are kind of all five stars, so we'll stop saying five star. Because it sounds yeah. like we're giving ourselves a big head. <laughs> Obviously, we're not going to read out a one-star review anyway, so... <laughs> but we don't have any yet. Yeah, we don't. We don't. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Never. <laughs> uh, Skooks says, definitely worth a listen. Short and sweet. Yes, to the point. I love it. Ray Bands says, loved the first episode. Some cracking films mentioned. Good insight into how cast and crew seen, see films. And that's what I've loved as well. Getting so many different people on with different perspectives different parts of the industry and going forward we'll probably have people uh, on as well who are not involved in the film industry to get a different perspective too so yeah it's been a great range of guests so far yep Kay Mackay says this is a great intro and it has got me excited for the first full episode definitely a must listen for anyone that enjoys films that is also my partner so I probably shouldn't have needed to read that out because she's just been nice (laughs) (laughs) But a nice review all the same. Um, And then we had some Twitter comments actually um, on some of our episodes, mostly the intro episode and the Alien 3 episode as well. Seemed to have a lot of of commentary. Yeah. So for our intro episode, the film post one says, love the podcast, keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Yep. Choir Boy says, enjoyed your intro episode. Look forward to... Look forward, to, look forward to listening to the rest. Nice, I'll need to check that one out. Um, and then on to our comments about the Alien episode, which, yeah, has that was probably the most kind of, not controversial episode, but divided um, between us two and Gordon. Um, yeah, I was a bit like, oh, I don't know what to think of this one. And Gordon was a full fan and I loved, honestly loved hearing his insight he just had so much to give about this film and it made me feel more passionate about the film just listening to him so yeah shout out to gordon thank you again that was a great episode so we have some comments um from usually suspect said this was a great listen i've always been a fan of alien 3 especially the assembly cut version which we mentioned in the podcast got me hankering for a rewatch now um, I've done it, watching the assembly cut now is so good, the world the world building is excellent, the cast is excellent, the writing is excellent, the direction is excellent, music cin- cinematography is excellent, it only suffers from following two masterpieces. Amazing! Andy McEwen says, that guy that lets out the aliens saying it's a mythical creature kind of matches up with what we know from Prometheus. So he's talking about Gollop, who lets out mm-hmm. of the steel doors. And yeah, I guess it kind of does tie in with Prometheus, with them, with us being created by godlike creatures. And yeah, I won't say too much else because people might have not seen Prometheus and I don't want to spoil stuff. <laughs> and then we have, oh, Kamza says, I think Alien 3 is actually the hidden gem of the franchise. The scare with the rotating camera on the fan is so well executed. After 3, everything went wrong. Lol. (laughs) Yeah, the fan death scene is grim, but... Yeah, gruesome. 
Okay, and Underrated Gem says, I'd say Alien 3 is worse than Alien Resurrection. Alien Resurrection was slightly better and had slightly better special effects, so most of it was kind of watchable, though not great. Alien 3, on the other hand, is just boring. That is our Christmas bonus episode finished. I hope you enjoyed Christmas Chronicles when you watched it. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of the sequel as well, because we'll be watching it, I'm sure. Um, And yeah, this has been great, just chatting about all things Christmas. Um, As always, I'm Ashley Sutherland, and you can find me at at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ash Sutherland 4 on Christmas. Someone is clearly in the Christmas spirits. <laughs> Christmas spirits? Was, Christmas spirits? Does it make was, sense? Christmas spirit. I was thinking I should remember at the end of this episode to say Happy Christmas. <laughs> okay. So, as always, I'm Ashley Sutherland and you can find me at, at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram or at Ash Sutherland 4 on Twitter. And I'm Gary, and you can get me at HewittGPro on Instagram and on Twitter. Have a lovely Christmas, listeners, and we will be back with some more feel-good films after Christmas. Have a good Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you later.